Welcome to part two of Health System CIO's podcast interview with Daryl Bodner, CIO at North Country Healthcare. In this segment, Bodner talks about the areas that he believes will continue to benefit from virtual care offerings. How becoming a health system has helped enormously when it comes to recruiting staff and negotiating with vendors. Why he believes it's so critical for rural organizations to comb through each contract and how his passion for brewing beer has helped connect him to the community. And have you found that among your population, for things like surgical follow-ups, it, it really does seem like it just makes a lot of sense. But I guess, as you said, it all comes down to reimbursement. It does. And what we have now, particularly for the surgical pieces, I think sometimes that they're looking at bundling in surgical services mm-hmm. as a bundled, predictable model. And we do have one provider that's piloting a, a piece with us where he is doing his remote follow-ups virtually. So his post-surgicals are being done virtually with patients to follow up. And I don't think it's a concern. It's more about the patient outcomes than it is the reimbursement, particularly with a bundled payment for an OR service. So I, I think that there's opportunities there if we look at how we, we model these. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to virtual care, I think prevention, diagnosis, those types of things are probably pretty good, particularly the prevention and follow-up pieces, I think, are prime. Yeah, it it makes so much sense. And in our population, we have an elderly population. So when you think about even the tele-assistance sort of model of it, where you're you're monitoring them at home, you can help them with with safety concerns. I think it could be even safer if you have those things in the home. Um, And we're not talking, you know, the help I've fallen, I can't get up button, but we're talking real-time monitoring of patients. And I, I don't like to delve into what I would call artificial intelligence or machine learning, but there's clearly algorithms that we can use that can help identify patterns or inconsistencies that can identify a patient fall, a patient taking a turn for the worse, different pieces, and alert a provider or other clinical staff immediately to that change. And yeah. it could be even over a longer period of time, if you start to see a, a decline in, in a patient's O2 saturations or something, you can report those back and say, somebody may want to look at this. So the outcomes can be much, much better. It really is so exciting when you hear about artificial intelligence and how it can be used, but there are just so many pieces that have to be in place. And there is a divide when you're seeing the organizations that are getting knee deep into this, you know, that have the resources. And it is definitely a factor when you look at all of that. I think they need to be looked at by use case. As I hinted to, we're we're sort of piling those pieces out. So you look at an orthopod discharging a patient. It's a risk for the patient to get up and move and do things, but you can check in with that patient remotely and and it's probably more effective. Behavioral health, as we've seen, and I think most of the country has seen, it plays to their comfort level much, much more than perhaps somebody who's, you know, coming in for a routine primary care visit. Areas like oncology and wound care don't play into this realm at all. So, you know, you may not even want to offer it in those areas. But those are the types of things you have to look at and you have to play those out. Yeah. So to switch gears a little bit, because North Country Healthcare was created the way it was and, you know, some of the goals you had mentioned are being able to attract physicians and has that made a difference also in terms of things like recruiting, retaining IT staff and also in terms of like working with vendors. Have you seen that made a difference, you know, being part of that? It has. It clearly has. So in terms of recruitment, not only for for clinical staff, 
for IT staff, yes. The other mm-hmm. thing that helped with that was the historical stigma in healthcare that people had to be on site, even in a right. clinical role. COVID did yeah. help in that area too. We had to bring on a data analyst, which was something we didn't really have. We worked with data analytics, but we didn't have somebody completely dedicated to this and we're building a, a department out from it. But that was a very tough recruit for us, unless we could make sure that the, the individual could work from anywhere. And it's been extremely Mm -hmm. successful. And I don't think that would have been welcomed as much prior to COVID. So the system needed this and we were large enough now that we could attract people to come in. So I do think from an IT perspective, it has helped us and the ability to work remotely and repurpose space for clinical service delivery, which we've done in one of our affiliate members who was constrained by space has been a key component to that. It allowed them to be able to pivot people out from an accounting and financial perspective that weren't in place anymore. So those were all positive. We've been able to get better contracts because of being a system Mm -hmm. and negotiate pricing a little bit better um, overall in all of our contracts, including our payer contracts, which is where you get real money. I mean, your GPO to save on cost savings is one thing, but when you can start getting your reimbursement adjusted accordingly, it, it helps as well. And it made our partnerships much, much easier. So when we worked with some of the tertiary facilities that we partnered with, is three hospitals, it's very, very difficult to provide. You can provide good levels of service, but when you can do it as, as a three hospital system, it makes it much, yeah. much more interactive because you're getting single points of contact for these communications. And it allows us to improve on, on not only the referrals, but the patient transfers that we have to do. So we retain some more because we have better, better in-house services. But when we do a patient transfer, it's better for the patient. It's better for our relationships with our our tertiary care providers. It's really interesting. And, you know, what you just said about working as a three hospital system instead of the three individual hospitals, I I can imagine that comes into play quite a bit in dealing with vendors. It does. And and we discover more and more every day. Every time a contract comes up for negotiation at a single entity, we evaluate the contract to determine whether it should be what we would call an NCH contract. Most do mm-hmm. fall into those unless it's a particular piece of equipment or, or something that's, that's used. And then we take that to a service level, look at the anniversary dates, try to, to reconcile those into a single contract um, and negotiate the price overall where it's usually a cost savings. Yeah, that's such an interesting area. Because as far as I know, I don't know if there's a specific class that's, uh, you know, <laughs> negotiations and maintaining those good relationships with vendors. But for you, have you just had to build that up over the years or have there been certain things that have helped you, you know, lessons learned or how have you kind of, uh, you know, changed or evolved that for yourself over the years? Well, I mean, I've always been a, a big person for contract negotiations and always looking at these and mm-hmm. trying to make sure that we, we partnered with our vendors. And I, I think as a small rural hospital, cost optimization and cost savings are always, always a big piece. It's always present in top of mind. But what we've done now is what historically stopped with me in a negotiation where we might be able to do a contractual negotiation. We now are able as a system to bring in somebody who specializes in contract negotiations and purchasing, mm-hmm. who can then take and look at the GPO contracts in depth and push those vendors. And if we have a vendor we're dealing with that's not part of a GPO, because we're a little bit larger and can purchase more as a system, even though we may have been doing it individually prior to, it, it comes as a full representation, we're able to maybe get those additions to the 
the GPO contracts or get access to portions of the contracts that we didn't have before. So from contracts, it's always been an issue from my perspective is I'll evaluate those and I will go through those with a, with a fine tooth comb, looking for those caveats, those five-year renewals um, with a year's notice. But, but then to actually start negotiating the prices, having somebody on board that can do that without damaging a relationship yeah. with a vendor is really helpful. Oh yeah, sure. I can imagine. And then aside from that piece, just as far as trying to uh, you know maintain that good relationship, what would you say are our keys to doing that and you know really trying to have that good relationship where you're working together with a vendor? Well, I, I always tell my vendors when we first get on the call is, you know, we were discussing things is I believe in full transparency and I'm not looking for a vendor. I'm looking for a partner and the partner mm. needs to really offer something up. We switched security assessment vendors and the relationships that we had now are far from corporate. It's a level of intimacy about our systems and where we are. And the reason it's top of mind is I had a call just before this one where we did do that. And, and there's a value add. They'll say, okay, we'll do that. We'll do that. We're looking at doing some executive report outs for board members. And they're like, we can build those things out for you. And then you can tweak them the way you want to. When historically that may have been an additional cost, but because we're, we're partnered and they have three hospitals as opposed to one, there's a value add that comes from those as long as they're willing to be partners. And so far, if they're not willing to be partners, there, there's enough competition out there in most areas that we'll look for others. So we've been very successful, right. at least I've been successful there in being able to do that. And like I said, it's always nice that when it comes to price to have the bad cop out there to say, okay, listen, I'm sorry, but I got to run this through my purchasing group now that we have a, a purchasing group as three hospitals to beat you up on the price. And it sort of takes that off of me and allows me to maintain those relationships. Yeah, that's very interesting. There are definitely times where I'd love to be a, a fly on the wall for some of the conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I've sat in on some of them and I, I find myself laughing at how they, uh, they have those conversations. Right, right. So one of the, the other things I wanted to touch on was that I saw on LinkedIn that uh, you were involved with uh, a brewery. Is that still the case? It is. Oh, this is uh, awesome. This is our third year. April 20th was our third year. We have been three years in a row in the state of New Hampshire. Um, there's a there's really only one independent TV station um, in the area, and um, they have had user polls, and they voted us number one brewery three years in a row. Small brewery located in northern New Hampshire. We manufacture our own beers and ciders on-premise. We don't sell anything else. No hard liquor or anything like that. We do, we, we do a pretty good food menu. We sit along a, a river, Israel's River. Right now, as a matter of fact, what we're doing is, is we always believe in giving back and it's been very, very fortunate for us. We've done a lot of different things. Being in healthcare and sitting on the home health and hospice board, we have done a hospice ale that was donated as part of an auction where the highest bidder oh, could, wow. could pick the beer. They could help us manufacture the beer. They could name the beer after a loved one. And then we would give all the net proceeds of that beer back to the individual. We also did commemorative growlers that sold at a high price, all of which all the proceeds go immediately to the home care agency. It's a lot of fun. It gives us purpose. Yeah. It, it grounds us into the community. We've been doing discounts for essential workers, 50% off meals on a couple of days a week. Um, and it's been a huge hit in the community where we've, oh, yeah. done, we've done healthcare workers. We've done um, lodging. We've done people who worked in, in grocery who go overlooked. I mean, during the whole pandemic, you remember these were the poor people that were stocking our shelves oh, yeah. and being paid the minimal amount. So we offered discounts to each of those and honored those over the last three months. 
And we're offering 30% off anybody who can come in and tell us of a good deed they did for somebody else. So it's sort of our good deeds sort of thing to wrap it up purely based upon on people's good faith and, and their, their own testament to what they've done. And we're encouraging them to give those discounts to other community, you know, events, charities, those types of things. We, we feel like we're really embedded in the community and we're part of the community. Yeah, and we were able to sure. survive COVID relatively unscathed because of the community participation and support of us during that. You know, even though we had limited seating, we had a huge amount of, of curbside and to-go foods that were done, including beer. To me, it's it's the best of both worlds. You know, I get to work in healthcare and do this, and then my, my side gig, which I will go to as soon as I leave tonight, <laughs> to go serve and pour beer, even though I don't have much time during the days I occasionally get to brew beer, which is my real passion. It's a wonderful thing. It's, it's a great thing. If you get a chance, you can look uh, mostly on Facebook. You'll see some of the things that we've done for discounts for people over the past three or four months. But the community outpouring oh, was good, particularly for healthcare workers. It was great to see all of my colleagues going down to get a Thursday 50% discount off their entire family, their entire meal. It was it was always nice to see that. Oh, that's great. That, that is such a really cool way to be involved in the community. As a consumer, when we saw that there were businesses that were, you know, really trying to help out, it made you want to support them more. It, it's a very cool thing. And I'm in New Jersey. We have a couple of breweries that have popped up recently. So that I, I was interested when I saw that. Uh, breweries are just interesting. They're so unique. One of the things we did, and oh, it's yeah. funny you remember it now, is as soon as the pandemic hit, people in the area, there's, there's some financial challenges. So the schools, even though they were doing homeschooling, mm-hmm. decided to do lunch delivery because they realized that many of these kids, that lunch meal was was something that was paid for, that they, they, yeah. they would struggle to do. So the school buses would go around and deliver food to all the students who needed it every single school day, even though they were at home. But then we identified, oh, wow. we said, well, there's probably a gap on the weekends for these people, particularly if they're unemployed at this point. And we yeah. said, well, we're, we're here on the weekends cooking anyway. So we offered no proof necessary, free children's meals every weekend during the probably oh, the first awesome. three or four months of the pandemic. And when that's we did fantastic. it, well, we, it. when we did it, then all of a sudden some of the other businesses says, well, we'll stick cookies in there. And then one of them says, we'll supply you know, <laughs> the drinks. And, and it just sort of became this thing where it really didn't cost us that much. But we were able yeah. as, as, a, as a community to help support the people that you know were our customers. So it was, I think a lot of that helped in our, our long-term survival. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Seems like, uh, you know, that that's something that's important to you personally, you know, having this, this other passion that you can spend your time on. And I'm sure that it really helps you on a lot of levels. It is. Many times it's therapy. There is nothing better than when you have a bunch of providers that have struggled with an EMR. And of course, the EMR is is something that the organization picked, but they blame you as a CIL. You're the face <laughs> of that. And I mean that in the kindest ways. They're all wonderful people. Right. And you're dealing with the financial struggles of organizations and all these things. To go down and just pour a beer to somebody who's happy to drink a beer, it is therapy. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. Oh, sure. That's great. If I'm ever in New Hampshire, I'm certainly going to uh, look, look you guys up. Please do. Oh, my God. We would love to have you. <laughs> Very cool. If you think I can talk on, on a call like this about healthcare, you should see me talk about beer at the brewery. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Up until about probably about four or five years ago, there were so many laws in New Jersey that prevented this that we really didn't have any. We've had a couple pop up, you know, some of the, the smaller batch to the medium size. And it's been it's been so great. 
you know, to be able to, to go to these craft breweries. And usually there are people who, like you, they love to talk about what they do. And, you know, it, you, you do get that community sense, which is really nice. And the beer is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, that, and that's the thing is, you know, every beer is different. And, and we have a few breweries that weren't here before in our area. And we support each other. There, there's no yeah, competition. The more that pop up, the better we're going to be because people who typically like craft beer like to try multiple places. So we don't look at it as competition. We look at it as, as, as sort of a group effort. And um, it's, it's great because we'll, people will say, well, you know, where can I go for this? And we'll, we'll tell them, you know, go try this one, go try this one. We'll direct them right towards them um, because it, it benefits us all. And they do the same for us. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Well, sometime if I ever see you at one of these, you know, chime or industry events, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the beer because I'd love to get <laughs> to know more about that. That would be great. That would be fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's taken a lot of your time, so I appreciate it. But uh, it's just, it's been really interesting to hear about what you guys are doing. And yeah, hopefully we'll get to uh, follow up again at some point. Excellent. Very much appreciated. It's good. I'll tell you, it emphasized the work that North Country Healthcare has done. I'm always proud to talk about it because it's always been focused about the patient. They really have been. And the leadership I work with is phenomenal. They're really compassionate about this. So anytime I can talk about it, I'm happy to do so. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.